Zin Nian Hao. I'm amazed that someone understood that. Happy Chinese New Year to you too. Yeah, thank you. It is a day to celebrate. It always is when we're with the Lord, worshiping Him, and together with God's people. We're in John chapter 10 today. John chapter 10, 11 through 18. Images, pictures, they are worth a thousand words. That doesn't keep preachers from using thousands of words, but Jesus knew the power of images. He describes himself, for example, as the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And he speaks to our need for sustenance, for satisfaction. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And when he says that, he speaks to our yearning around the world for light, for knowledge, for direction, for discernment, for wisdom. We all need it. Jesus said, I am the door. And when he says that, he reminds us that we need to know the way to life. These images, they help us taste and see that Jesus is good. In our text today, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. We probably need some help to understand this imagery because sheep and shepherds just aren't a part of the landscape in Metro Vancouver. Probably the most familiar figure in the uplands of Israel was a shepherd tending his sheep. Also in the minds of the hearers of Jesus, the Jews, was the yearning for a Messiah who would come like a shepherd, one like Moses who would lead his people, one like David, a shepherd who would care for his people. And so when Jesus uses this language of shepherding, when he presents himself as the good shepherd, those that are listening to him, they understand. Why do sheep need shepherds? Uh, Lions, bears, wolves, they don't need shepherds. I'll share a few qualities of sheep with you. And just remember that in John 10, the sheep are those who are followers of Jesus, the disciples of him. So some of the things I may share may offend you. I hope they don't. First of all, sheep just aren't that smart. They're not really aware of danger. They'll follow one blade of grass after another right off the cliff. Sheep are slow to learn. It's not that they can't learn, but they're a little slow. For example, if there's a barbed wire fence, they'll walk right into it. And then the shepherd will pull them out, and the next day they'll walk right into it again and again. Sheep are a little bit stubborn. We aren't, of course. But sheep are. It's hard to budge them. They don't want to move. Sheep, they stray easily. They're notorious for wandering off, getting lost. Sheep, they copy each other. If one starts running, they all run. If one gets a new iPhone, they all do. (laughs) There's this shepherding term, cast 
down. What that means is that the sheep lies down and rolls over onto its side and its feet come off the ground. And if that happens, they have the tendency to roll onto their backs and flail their legs and bleat and cry, kind of like us on a bad snow day when our tires are just spinning and we can't go anywhere. But if a sheep stays in that position, the sheep will suffocate and die. And so the shepherd needs to come along and roll that sheep back onto its feet. You see, sheep, they can't survive without a shepherd. They need a shepherd. How did shepherds care for their sheep? Well, as Pastor James explained last week, they would keep them in sheepfolds because there were thieves that wanted to steal these little money-making machines that could be sheared two times a year. There were thieves and there were wolves. And there were two kinds of sheepfolds. There was the, the communal sheepfold, as Pastor James said, the communal sheepfold where a number of shepherds would guard their flocks at night and they would offer, often hire a gatekeeper to stand at the gate to keep the sheep in to protect them. You'll probably remember that at Jesus' birth, the angels appear to shepherds, not just one, but shepherds that are guarding their flocks at night near Bethlehem. One of these communal sheep, sheepfolds, probably. And then there were the sheepfolds out in the countryside, smaller, lower walls, no, no roof, just a small hole in the wall. And the shepherd himself would lie in that opening. Again, keeping the sheep in at night to protect them, in the morning getting up and leading them out to water and pasture. That's why Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus says three times in this passage, I am the good shepherd. And maybe we even trip up on that word good because in Canada, good is not that great, right? For example, if you invite your friends over for a meal and I ask you the following day, how was the meal? And you say, hmm, good. I'll think I really didn't miss anything. Glad I went to the hockey game. Or let's say you went out on a blind date. You would never do that. But if you did, and I asked you the next day, how was the date? And you said, hmm, good. I would think you probably won't go out again. I remember being in another country where there was this sign on the medical office, and it had been translated into English, and it read, fairly good doctor. So I'm sure they meant to say that the doctor was both fair and very good, but what they said was actually kind of average. Would you go to see that doctor? So we need to see what the word good actually means. And good here, what it really means in the original is unbelievable. It's altogether lovely, altogether wonderful. There's none beside him. There's no one like him. It's great. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20 catches the essence of this when the author describes Jesus as the great shepherd of the sheep. Now there are many shepherds in the world and every shepherd wants you to hear his voice, follow, obey. Every leader, every government leader, business leader, church leader wants you to listen and to follow. What makes Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep? What sets him apart? Well, let's go to John chapter 10. 
John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. The text we just read, it talks about wolves. Wolves, they follow the sheep quietly, silently, waiting, watching for a weakness. They're looking for the older ones, they're looking for the smaller ones, they're looking for the weak, the injured, the broken. Just waiting for an opportunity to snatch. And that word means to take forcefully, to drag away. Who is the wolf? Well, the wolf is obviously our spiritual enemy, Satan himself, whose only intent is to steal, rob, and destroy people, relationships, opportunities. And so we as sheep, if we're disciples of Jesus, we need the good shepherd. Satan uses false religious teaching, and false religious teaching always comes in our own best interest. It never leads us explicitly in a direction away from life. But it never forces us to face our own sinfulness, our own weakness, our own need of a savior. No, it probably says that there is goodness within us, resident within us. We just need to come in touch with that. Satan will use the idols of our age, which again, always come with a nice face. The face of a good shepherd. But the idols of our age are werewolves. When you give yourself to them, For example, the materialism of our world or the idol of success, however you may want to attain success, whether it be through wealth or academia or social status, whatever it might be, it comes with a nice face as if there's life there. The message is that we hear that we should think about ourselves, just act for our own well-being. It sounds so nice, but it leads us away from the good shepherd. The text also speaks of a hired hand. A hired hand who works for pay. As long as he's being paid, he works. As long as the hours aren't too long. But as soon as the wolf appears, he flees. He abandons the sheep. He tries to save his own skin because it's just a job. He's a hired hand. Who are the hired hands in John chapter 10. Well, if you read through the first chapters of John, the hired hands are the religious leaders who are not caring for the sheep. 
They don't know the good shepherd. They have no relationship with the good shepherd, Jesus, and they do not have a loving relationship with the sheep. For example, in John chapter 9, there's a man born blind. And Jesus comes along and discerns that it's the Father's will to heal and so prays for his healing, heals the man. The religious leaders find this man and they ask him, who healed you? And when he says Jesus, they ask him to renounce Jesus. And because he refuses to renounce Jesus, they cast him out. They ostracize him. It's like social death. And then Jesus, the good shepherd, the text says, he goes and finds him and reveals himself to him. That's why Jesus says in John chapter 10, three times, I am the good shepherd. Sheep are vulnerable to the, to the wolves and they can't count on hired hands. We need a good, the good shepherd. What makes Jesus the good shepherd? Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Four times in this passage, Jesus says that he lays down his life for the sheep, that he dies for the sheep. That word for, always used in a context of sacrifice in the Gospel of John. On behalf of, in place of. The assumption is that the sheep are in mortal danger. And if Jesus doesn't die for them, they will die. When we read those words, lays down his life for the sheep, we often have the image of of David in our minds. The young David who risked his life for his sheep. He protected them against lions and bears, but he didn't give his life for the sheep. Shepherds didn't give their lives for their sheep. (laughs) They valued their sheep. Their sheep were money-making machines. And so they protected their sheep, but their intent was never to die for their sheep. Their intent was to stay alive and, if possible, keep their sheep alive. So why does the good shepherd die for the sheep? We see that Jesus goes way beyond David, way beyond what any shepherd would do. He gave his life on the cross for us. What mattered to Jesus was our salvation, not his own skin. He went to Calvary and he died, not for his own sins, but for our sins. He died in our defense so that we might receive forgiveness of sin. Of course, Jesus says in John chapter 15, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. But we weren't even his friends. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were enemies of God. There was nothing within us to commend us to God. And yet Jesus laid down his life for us out of love. We weren't just sheep, we were bad sheep. Died on our behalf so that we might have life. What makes Jesus the good shepherd? He lays down his life for the sheep. And so if you are a disciple of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, I pray that you will understand this morning that you will hear not me speaking to you, but Jesus speaking to you and saying to you, I love you. I gave my life so that you might have life. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Maybe you sit here wallowing in guilt because of something you did recently or in the past. That is not where Jesus would have you sit. He gave his life so that you might be set free, forgiven, 
and walk into life. Why would Jesus do this for us? Why does it matter so much to him? Well, because we are his. He owns us. He knows us by name. For Jesus, it's personal. And again, I think it's hard for us to understand. My wife, my daughters, if they were being attacked, I know that I would give my life for them. Why? Because they're a part of me. They're my own. I hope I would do the same thing for the neighbor. But if it was my wife, if my daughters were being attacked, I know exactly what I would do because they're my own. Why are we his sheep, his own? John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Do you know that Jesus chose you from before the foundation of the world? You're his own. Secondly, the Father gave us to Jesus. John 17, 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Thirdly, Jesus bought us. First. Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So Jesus chose us. The Father gave us to him. He bought us, and nothing ever will snatch us from his hand. John 10, verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. We will forever be his own, forever his. And then look at verses 17 and 18. There's a wonderful truth that's revealed here. Verse 17 of John 10. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So when Jesus goes to the cross and dies, this is not the result of mob violence. This is not the accident of fate. This is not some tragedy perpetrated by misguided men. When Jesus went to the cross and died, he did it purposefully. He had you and me in mind. He did it out of love, voluntarily. He gave himself up. He wasn't just a captured martyr who happened to die. And although no one could take his life from him, he gave it up. He gave it up for you and for me. And he died with resurrection in view. He died so that he might rise again and that we might rise with him to live forevermore. He died purposefully. And the Father loves Jesus for this. For his willingness to die for the salvation of the sheep. His willingness to take on the shame of Calvary. 
His willingness to take the, the, the sin and the curse reserved for the Lamb of God. His willingness to bear the isolation and rejection of death. Jesus is the good shepherd because he laid down his life for you and me. He poured out his life. And so I pray that you will understand this morning that Jesus has engraved on his nail-pierced hands your name, my name. Jesus has your name written on his heart. For Jesus, it's personal. Or his own. And then another truth which makes Jesus the good shepherd. John 10, 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. Jesus' first followers, of course, they were Jews, right? From the fold of Judaism. And here he says that he has other sheep that are not of this fold. Some would say that the other Sheep from other folds are just the Jews of the diaspora spread around the world. But if we read this text in its context and we read other gospels, if we read the epistles of Paul, then we know that the other sheep are the Gentiles. And so Jesus, he gave him his life. He sacrificed his life so that he might call to himself people from all tribes and languages and and nations, Gentiles and Jews, just one big happy family. Do you know how many kinds of sheep there are in the world? I had no idea. There are more breeds of sheep than breeds of any other livestock species, with the exception of poultry. And in the year of the rooster, we should remember that. But worldwide, there are more than 1,000 distinct breeds of sheep. Sheep, they come in all different sizes, colors, and shapes. Fine wool, medium wool. Long wool, carpet wool. Some grow hair. Different colored faces. Some red, white, black. But essentially, they're all the same. They're all not that smart. Unpredictable. Sometimes cast down. Sheep. And Jesus loves all kinds of sheep the same. Jesus loves all kinds of sheep the same. Doesn't matter our origin, where we came from, our social status. Jesus loves us all the same. And over the last 2,000 years, he's been calling sheep from all over the globe. Calling people to himself. You would think that the death of the good shepherd would just scatter the sheep, right? That it would be over. Jesus says in John 12, verse 32, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So Jesus, over the last 2,000 years, has been drawing people from every language, every tribe, every nation to himself. And we are one family, one body, under one great shepherd. And now here's the most important point at the heart of this passage. And so if you are to remember anything from this message, I pray that you will remember this. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, 
And I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's just stop here for a minute. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Could that be true? What Jesus is saying, I know my own, and my own, they know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Could it be that Jesus wants us to know him the way that the Father knows him? That word know, it's the same every time that Jesus uses it. Four times. And it's not just knowing about Jesus. It's not just knowing about something. It's to know intimately. It's, it's based in a relationship. It's known experientially. You walk through life with Jesus day and night. And you know him. You trust him. It's not just a thought, not just some theology. You know Jesus himself. Do you believe that Jesus wants you to know him? You see, the Father and the Son, they've always been together for all of eternity. They know each other perfectly. They communicate with each other. They love each other. They do all things together. They cannot imagine being apart. They are inseparable. Jesus says in verse 30 of chapter 10, I and the Father are one. So I've been asking myself this week, do I, do I know Jesus? Do I know what it means to be one with him? You see, Jesus lays his, his life down for us, not just so that we will be saved from sin, no matter how important that may be. And he's the only one that could ever save us from sin. But he doesn't just save us from sin. He saves us to someone, to himself, to know him. Jesus in his high priestly prayer, John chapter 17, he's praying to the Father and he says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's where the life is. It's in Jesus. And what does that look like? Well, shepherds in many places in the world, they actually give their sheep names. And the sheep, they can learn their names slowly, but they do learn their names. The shepherds, they spend day and night with their sheep, so always in relationship. And the sheep, they learn to trust the voice of their shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 3 the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They're the words of Jesus. In chapter 10, verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So the sheep, they rest in the sheepfold at night because they trust the good shepherd. They know that he will protect them. They follow the good shepherd out in the morning looking for pasture because they trust the voice of the good shepherd. That word pasture is a very rich word. 
for those who speak the Hebrew language because it it represents all that is good in life, well-being, peace, the absence of fear, food, life. They know that the good shepherd would only lead them to life. They listen to his voice to avoid straying, to avoid danger, but most of all, to find life. They've experienced the good shepherd to be good. They know him. Do we know the voice of Jesus? Do we love Jesus the way that the Father loves him? Jesus wants us to know him. Twelve years ago, my wife was diagnosed with cancer for the second time. And uh, the first time that she was diagnosed with cancer, uh, I saw God do some amazing things in her life. I saw the transformation happening in her life right before my eyes. And then when she was diagnosed with cancer the second time, I remember her asking, Ray, can I trust Jesus? She started to meditate on Psalm 23. She meditated, meditated on it for months, line by line. It was determined that she would undergo surgery. And so we went to the hospital. And there we were in the hospital room waiting for the doctors to come and take Judy into surgery. We prayed A doctor walked in. We didn't know him. We'd never seen him before. He was dressed in white. Didn't say a word. Walked over to Judy and put his hand on her head. And he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Judy knew that the good shepherd was in the room. She knew that the good shepherd knew her name, knew what she was facing, knew that he would never leave her, that he would carry her. So I ask you, and I ask myself, do we know the good shepherd? You and I, those of us that are disciples of Jesus, do we know him? Do we understand that he gave his life for us? He didn't have to, but he's the good shepherd. And so he poured it out 
out of love? Do we understand that he knows us by name? That he chose us from before the foundation of the world. He bought us. And nothing will ever snatch us from our hand, from his hand. Sometimes we get distracted, right? It's an illness. It's a financial difficulty. It's a relationship that has gone awry. It's a crazy immigration process. Questions, issues. What is it that is distracting us today that is leading us astray? Hear the voice of the good shepherd who invites you to rest in him, to be still and know that he is the great shepherd. You're a great shepherd. And if you have never given your life to Jesus and he is calling you this morning by name, I urge you, say yes. Jesus gave his life for you so that you might be set free, forgiven, and receive life. Pastor Ron is going to come and lead us in a song. We're going to worship because Jesus is worthy of all worship. And we're going to go to a time of prayer and the prayer team will come forward. One of the wonderful gifts of the church is that we have brothers and sisters that pray with us. And so no matter where you come from today, I pray that you would come for a prayer. Would you come? God bless you.